The data official statistical offices collect and generate are of vital importance to the work of national governments and international organizations. However, the work of collecting national data can be difficult and at times can be politicized. And as with so much over the last several months, the COVID pandemic has only shown how important national statistics are as well as how fraught their interpretation can be. Official statistics is a focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me are regular panelists, John Baylor, Chair of Miami Statistics Department, and Richard Campbell, former Chair of Media, Journalism, and Film. Our guest today is Gemma Van Halderen. Van Halderen is the director of the Statistics Division in the UN's Economic and Social Commission for Asia and the Pacific, or SCAP. Prior to joining SCAP in June 2018, Gemma was a member of the Australian Bureau of Statistics Executive Team, where she was responsible for transformation strategies and programs for data sharing, data integration, and micro data access, including ABS's contribution to the Australian government's data integration partnership for Australia. Today, her main job is to support countries in Asia and the Pacific as they strengthen their national statistical offices and systems. Gemma, thank you so much for being here today. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you. How did official statistics sort of become the, the space that you are working in? Uh, so I've always worked in uh, statistics. I, I, left, I left school and went to the Australian National University and fell into fell into statistics, if you like, um, chose a science degree and had a fairly quantitative uh, component of maths and statistics, uh, psychology, and uh, the statistics part and maths part was um, just fell into it. I had a wonderful program there. The lecturers at uh, the Australian National University were very, very good. And my supervisor for honours year, Dr. Uh, Professor Alan Welsh, was um, uh, very good. And uh, we had a wonderful time together. And I, I, I won a cadetship to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And it's an ex- excellent scheme that was in place at the time. It was um, recruiting uh, students in their third year of university and, and encouraging them to join the Australian Bureau of Statistics at the time. And it gave you a year. You studied for the year to finish your honours year. And then at the end of the honours year, you had the opportunity to go and work for the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So coupled with an excellent honours supervisor in Professor Alan Welsh and with the um, cadetship from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, I basically fell into a really wonderful institution, um, had wonderful people working there. Um, your, one of your stats and stories was Dennis Truen, who was a statistician while I was there, Mr. Bill McLennan, our, previous, our current statistician, uh, well, the current statistician of the Australian Bureau of Statistics, David Gruen. Uh, so they've always had a very good cadre of people and a strong methodological group. So after about 30 years, um, 28, 29 years in the Australian Bureau of Statistics, had this opportunity to work with the United Nations based in um, Bangkok, Thailand. And uh, here I am, still working in official <laughs> statistics from, from uh, university and school days. So, so I'm curious that you des- you're described as, as working to strengthen uh, national statistical offices. So can you talk a little bit about what does that mean? 
I mean, what what are where are the opportunities that you that you help to to work with these organizations, and what does it mean to strengthen them? Sure. So the United Nations ESCAP, as as uh, it's commonly known, the Economic Social Commission for Asia and the Pacific, we're based in uh, Asia and the Pacific. Fifty eight countries are part of our remit, spanning from Turkey all the way through to all the islands in the Pacific, south to Australia and New Zealand, and north to uh, Russia, Mongolia, China. So we're, and I think about two thirds of the world's population live wow. in Asia and the Pacific. Uh, it's a really big community here. So with 58 countries out of the 193 um, within the UN, there's a lot of opportunities here to reach out to a lot of countries and national statistical offices. Now, all of them, all of them have their fundamental remit under the fundamental principles of official statistics to provide high quality statistics trusted by the public um, of social conditions, economic conditions, environmental conditions. Uh, but we, we have such diversity in our region. So we have a country in the Pacific, which has got a total of four staff for the entire office through to something like China and Russia, who is, you know, tens of thousands of staff. So when you think of what the, the international statistical community is asking of these countries to have a high quality trusted GDP, population census, prices, um, how's your unemployment going? How's your living conditions of your people? Basic statistics like births and deaths um, and basic population counts. So my, my job and the role of the, um, the, the United Nations is very much about providing well, three, three main services. The first one is advisory services. Um, and we do a lot of that in this region. And that can be on, on really anything. And you bring in people who have got years of experience in the statistics world to basically help countries say, well, I'm thinking of doing something here. Or, what do you think? And it may be something like uh, bringing in administrative data for some of their, their statistics or making use of new data sources like mobile phone data. Mm. Uh, you, you mentioned um, I worked at the Australian Bureau of Statistics on uh, data sharing and data integration. And so it's providing some, you know, some experience that I have and connecting people to others in the region with experience to say, well, give, you know, the, here's, here's somewhere where you might be able to start. Or here's some of the tips tips you might want to think about or some of the lessons. So that advisory service, particularly at the moment around COVID-19, oh. um, is really very valuable. Um, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of uh, national stats officers um, having to keep their time series going, of their job, job series, their uh, prices collection, their GDP series. Um, but how, how do you do that when really it's very hard to go out and do field work and face-to-face -face collection. So it's it's providing some tools and some guidance and, and connecting connecting countries to some um, experts who have that guidance, like the ILO, the International Labour Organization, mm. are providing excellent guidance around job statistics. There's an intergovernment secretariat working group on national counts. They're also providing guidance. So that advisory service to the countries and, and you know we're a safe we're a safe area to give a call to to say hey uh, how might we have that maybe able to help. You're mentioning some of the challenges there that you face. 
What do you do in cases where you're working in a country and they only have four staff members? How do you even get the data? Uh, what kind of support can you can you offer there? Yes, yeah. So the small the small um, island they're called the small island developing states. We have quite a number of them here in Asia and the Pacific. Uh, the Caribbean also have uh, sort of a cluster of small island states. Often, what happens in that situation is they have common infrastructure, so they might run a common census uh, across a, a cluster of countries. Or they might run a um, common set of multi-cluster surveys or have a common register of businesses in the region. So in those cases, they're they're very creative and they work very well together to have these common elements. Um, They might have common questionnaires. And they also are quite good in those small situations. Actually, I'm finding small countries can sometimes be better for statistics than large countries because mm. they don't have so many tiers of government. They also have quite a you know very close-knit sort of community around sharing of data, understanding what information is available already in the country. So, you know, if you think of some of the really large countries like the US or Russia or China, this is a huge logistical exercise, so many tiers of government, uh, whereas the small ones actually can often, often be very responsive um, and they have this this nice common community sort of in, approach to things. So do you organize a lot of the, the, the kinds of um, investigations around the, some of the sustainable development goals? Is that part of the, the focus of, of work and consulting that you do and advising? Well, yes. Yeah, so the sustainable development goals really are the, the sort of bedrock, if you like, of the 2030 Agenda for sustainable development. The the agenda itself, the 2030 agenda is is very ambitious and it has this uh, global monitoring framework in there which has the 17 goals, the 169 targets and I think we've now 231 official indicators. Wow. There's, there's two other parts to the 2030 agenda that I particularly love. Um, there's a paragraph in the 2030 agenda that says something like wherever possible the data for these goals should come from a national statistical system and then there's a second paragraph in the 2030 agenda that says we uh, need to make you know the data demands are quite huge and we need to make use of uh, partnerships and look to innovative data sources such as geospatial information so can I follow up with just a, a real quick question? Can you give an example of one of the goals and one of, and one of the indicators to kind of make that a little more concrete? What are we trying to achieve and what are some of the ways that we know we're, move, we're moving towards it? So one of the goals is goal nine. We, I'll read it for you. Build resilient infrastructure, promote inclusive and sustainable industrialization and foster innovation. Okay. So this is, a, this is a really good goal. Now, within that goal, it has uh, multiple SDG targets. And one of the targets, 9.1, is to develop quality, reliable, sustainable and resilient infrastructure, including regional and trans-border infrastructure to support economic development and human well-being with a focus on affordable and equitable access for all. So very wordy. Now, these these goals and sustainable development targets were signed off at the political level. So these are like a policy 
what the statistical community came and did then was supported them uh, through the United Nations Statistical Commission with the development of an indicator framework. Mm. Oh, okay. And one of the indicators for this target is proportion of the rural, rural population who live within two kilometres of an all-season road. Oh. oh, okay. Now, if you live in somewhere like Asia, like I do, all-season roads are very useful <laughs> for yeah. getting, um, just getting to school, getting your goods to market. Uh, you can really be cut off in you know, the rainy season. So this, this indicator is really great because, first of all, you need to have an indicator of rural population. Mm-hmm. So here you can make use of your population census, okay. your population estimates, demography. But then the second part of the indicator is live within two kilometres of an all-season road. So here's a great challenge for the statistical community. What is an all-season road? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm sure we can all measure two kilometres. We, <laughs> we would hope we can measure two kilometres. <laughs> but what is an all-season road? And so all of a sudden the part of the statistical world had to start defining uh-huh. road mm-hmm. and then all-season road across the world. So not just in developed countries like the US or in Australia, where I am at the moment, but in, in, in um, Asia, in Pacific, where, where we might still have tracks. So a lot of people still live in little communities that might be down a little track. A lot of people are still also living on water bodies. So this is quite a challenge. When you unpack it, it's quite a challenging indicator. And also statistically, it's very exciting because here you need to integrate data from the population side with geographic data like mm-hmm. all season road. So mm-hmm. you have some real, very interesting opportunities with using geospatial data, those partnerships I mentioned to you before around um, bringing in the new data sources with the traditional data sources to produce just one of 231 indicators mm-hmm. for this sustainable development um, agenda. Uh, so, so there's a lot of very exciting opportunities in this indicator framework for national statistical systems. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking with Gemma Van Halderen, Director of the Statistics Division in UN SCAP. Gemma, you were talking earlier about the vast territory that your agency works with, and, and sort of how, you know, there might be an office of four people and then these huge staffs. Even with this sort of vast geographic reach, are there are there um, challenges that the offices tend to share and just have to kind of work out differently? Or really is, is it really just sort of unique to sort of the specific country um, that an office has worked in? So is, are there spe- issues like around collecting data? Um, that, that maybe some share and just have to work out differently, maybe depending on where they are? Well, the, the nice thing about the official statistics community, well, actually the statistics community more broadly, is, is we're very strong um, and we have a common language around what, we're, we're, uh, what we work with um, and our values. So in a, in a way, actually, there is a lot of commonality across the vast region of not only Asia and the Pacific, but, but the world. All, all governments like to understand where they are in relation to others in the world. Um, we look now at our, at our coronavirus. Everyone's comparing comparing rates between countries where there's certainly job um, uh, employment issues between countries, GDP between countries. So there is, there is, I don't know actually what the core set would be, but there's a 
there's a core set where every country will want a GDP, a, a consumer price index, population numbers at the moment, and very unfortunately, uh, death rates mm -hmm. and transmission rates. So all countries in my region mm -hmm. will have those, um, with those, those common things. There's also some other commonalities which uh, we all share, um, attracting and retaining good staff um, mm. is something that we all face. And uh, this year we, at our intergovernmental meeting, um, we're convening a discussion on uh, human resource practices um, across the region because the chief statisticians wanted to have a conversation about how, how are you going with your attracting staff, retaining them, skilling them. Uh, so that's, that's a commonality across us all. There's also a commonality um, uh, in re relation to financial constraints, if you like. Oh. Um, we're, all, we're all facing financial constraints. So <laughs> we're all being asked to do more with less. Oh, not um, us. We're, we're just, no, no. The days of wine and roses where we are, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and for instance, um, our colleagues in Indonesia, BPS Indonesia, have just had a, a I think it was a 40% cut to their budget oh, no. in the middle of their population oh, census. Oh, no. So oh, they were in the field. They had a very well-structured plan to capture their 260 million people. And they have this <sighs> extremely big budget cut. So financial constraints faces all of the officers developed or developing. And so, again, the chief statisticians like to come together to say, just to share experiences about, well, how are you dealing with your financial challenges? The statistical community also very innovative. I've never seen so much innovation. And we really do have this urge to produce high-quality, relevant statistics and if it means we have to make use of existing data or shared infrastructure or big data, very willing to, to give it a go and looking, looking for guidance. So to me, there's a lot of commonality. And then the differences tend to be in, um, you know, maybe different layers of government, um, whether the, the legislation requires the collection of data at the provincial level or the federal level, like they're local setups, usually around infrastructure and governance. But more, I think there's more commonality than you'd, you'd think. Yeah. So, Gemma, do you, um, we did a recent episode with the epidemiologist Sandra Alba where we talked about some of the, the distrust that people have in data and science uh, among the general public. Is this something that you face, this sort of suspicion of data that you face in your work? And if, if not, is this a problem you have in Australia that we face the, this, this here in the States? So on, on the question of mis mistrust of data, I've just listened to the podcast with um, Dennis True in there around the the um, COVID information and and John Pullinger, the president of the the IOS uh, around trust. I I don't really see it as trust as an issue um, in in the main here in Asia and the Pacific. What I do see and and some of the ways that the trust is built from the statistical community here in Asia and Pacific is very strong. Um, very strong desire to adhere to the global standards. Uh -huh. So 
they really want to make sure that if there's guidelines on how to produce GDP, that they understand those guidelines and they know how to apply them. Um, we translate into the different languages of the UN so that language isn't such mm. a barrier. We provide extensive training. So first, so first and foremost, really do want to apply and understand and apply the global standards. The fundamental principles of official statistics are also um, quite inherent in all the national statistics offices. There is 10 of those fundamental principles and the, you know, being able to provide practical utility, the first one um, is extremely important to the national stats offices. So I th the, the mistrust in data, I, I really don't, I really don't see. What, what I am seeing is a desire to be more responsive and responsive in two connect two, two two aspects: responsive in timeliness, and responsive in the, the practical utility, the relevance of the statistic to the government's needs. Um, the first one, in terms of timeliness, this this COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, while extremely sad and very disruptive, it's demonstrating to the statistical community that they can put out statistics faster. <coughs> And be more responsive. So it's actually a, there is a little bit of a silver lining um, from COVID nineteen in the statistics. In terms of relevance, it's also improving the relevance of the statistical community. So I think the the trust in the statistics office is is quite good. If you talk about individual statistics, I you know I have to go down to the country level, and I can't really yeah. can't really speak at that level. So you you talked a little bit about the uh, the idea of the challenge with COVID, uh, having these job series or these uh, price series, these data that be able to maintain those records. And I've I had, I was reading recently they were talking about the uh, you know people are going to have to change the way they uh, they plot unemployment statistics now, just because when you when you look at the time series the the time series of this data, you know all of a sudden we've seen things that have just never been seen before in terms of disruption in the workforce. Mm. Uh, you know, are there are are there other examples of some of the, the the ways that the pandemic has disrupted the way official statistics are collected and and the impact of of, of this pandemic on on kind of your business? So the other impact that we're seeing COVID um, and on the statistical business is in the area of um, uh, vital statistics, um, oh. particularly uh, death statistics and um, cause of death. So to produce, to produce a really good population estimate, you need um, your population census and then, and then births, deaths and migration into and out of your country or into regions. Now, getting, getting the birth statistics is, is very good systems in place for that. There's also very good systems in place for deaths. But at this time of this pandemic, <laughs> this is causing a lot of pressure on on systems and the co the coding of causes of deaths is very challenging oh, um, and okay. when you overlay that with cultural aspects of dying there's a lot of cultures where you have to be um, buried within 24 hours so having the opportunity to have your death um, uh, the cause of the death determined um, and then recorded and put into systems. This is putting a lot of pressure on the, 
the deaths part of the vital statistics. Where the, the World Health Organization has recognized this, the UN Statistical Family has recognized this, and there's a lot of support being given to countries around this topic of um, birth and death statistics, well, mainly death statistics, as well as the cause of death statistics. We, we here in Asia and the Pacific have um, started an, a, a webinar series, if you like. It's called the Asia Pacific Stats Cafe. Um, we're holding cafes so far every week um, in response wow. to demand for just-in-time information. We've held a cafe on the impact of COVID on civil registration vital statistics mm. systems generally. Um, and then we've been asked to do a cafe on specifically on cause of death coding. And we'll do that in about two weeks time. And we have a very active regional steering group on civil registration that, um, you know, we're all active around WhatsApp, issue mm. stats, um, briefs, you know, short pieces and provide guidance. So there's a lot of interest in the topic of deaths, recording of deaths, and then the cause of death. And there's a big, the quality of that is of a concern to the national statistics officers, the demand for timeliness. This, this is an area where I think not only the job series you mentioned, John, but the area of death and cause of death statistics mm -hmm. is something we need to keep an eye on. Well, Gemma, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Thank you so much for being here. No, it's been my pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Gemma. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.